Welcome to the Commercial Real Estate Show, your source for insightful analysis and enlightening discussions. Hello, I'm Michael Bull. Thanks for being with us today. Today, we're going to talk about tax credits for business, real estate, and individuals. Please welcome my first guest is Ricky Novak. Ricky is managing partner with a strategic group of companies. They provide tax mitigation strategies and alternatives. Ricky, thanks for joining us today. Glad to be here, Michael. Well, we appreciate you being back in uh, Studio One with us here in Atlanta. It's, it's like my second home. There you go. Well, let's talk about some of the current tax credits and, and deductions available to taxpayers out there. First, related to uh, real estate. Tell us a little bit about low-income housing tax credits. Absolutely. So, you know, there are a lot of wonderful programs out there, and, and there are programs that can be leveraged and used by owners that have assets that can produce these credits. And then there's also the opportunity for uh, individuals who want to use these benefits to acquire them. So they don't even have to own the real estate uh, in order to leverage those benefits. Low-income housing uh, is, a, is a product that's been around for quite some time. Uh, the, the idea was the federal government really wanted to incentivize uh, affordable housing to be Produced. And so uh, what happens is when these uh, projects are built and qualify for either the federal or state credit, uh, that's a credit that the developer themselves can use or investors can actually invest into those partnerships and obtain those credits. So again, there's a federal alternative and a state alternative in numerous different states. Okay. And are they still used a lot today? I know they were back in the day. Well, you're, you're seeing them more often again. You know, obviously, uh, going through, I think, as people have dubbed it, the Great Recession, mm-hmm. there was, what was a- great about it? Uh, <laughs> not, nothing great. You know, a lot, a, lot of, a lot of spare time for real estate people to sit around and not be happy. Yeah. Uh, but it, what, what happened during, during that period of time mm-hmm. was you, you had a, a drop-off in development. And mm-hmm. so there was a gap in the product. What we're seeing now is obviously the multifamily market has become very hot. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we're seeing more product being developed. So I think what you'll see is in the coming years, you'll see more product available. The downside is across the board, because tax rates have increased, the demand has also gone up. So it may be difficult to obtain some of these benefits. I see. And talk to us about historic tax credits, Ricky. So historic credits are, are really a pre- preservation mechanism. Uh, the concept here is you can take an historic building, you know, maybe downtown New York, downtown Chicago, uh, and the government is willing to offer a tax benefit to taxpayers if they will forgo making a change to the facade of the building. So they're often referred to as facade easements, and the concept here is if you agree uh, to never change the exterior of the building, then you can obtain a, a federal, and in some cer- certain instances, a state tax credit for preserving the facade of those buildings. You know, in tax credit, I know when I was a when I was a kid, when I was like seventeen, I thought you know uh, a write-off meant it was a tax credit, <laughs> and then I found out, no, you just don't pay taxes on that income. I said that's no fun. Uh, but then when I found out a couple of years later about tax credits, I mean that's right off the, the bottom line there. Well, it, it, it's a great bang for your buck, yeah. right? If you can buy a credit for ninety cents, mm-hmm. um, and that credit is worth a dollar to you, mm-hmm. you know, you have a, a fairly significant savings. You know, mm-hmm. with with any tax benefits, we always remind people there's always risk reward. Um, there very rarely are risk free tax planning alternatives. So you need to be aware of what those risks are to make a determination of is that reward worth it to you. And every taxpayer has a different risk tolerance. Right. And speaking of the risk with these tax credits, let's talk 
talk about film tax credits a little bit because I think a lot of those are considered not that risky, right? Well, that, that's the general belief, you know, in, in certain jurisdictions around the country. Um, as an example, Louisiana and Georgia happen to be two states that have very attractive tax credit programs. What happens is the state is trying to incentivize Hollywood uh, to come produce film, uh, whether it's movies or television programming. And in return for spending dollars in those states, the state is offering a state tax credit. Most of the time, there's some kind of certification or um, you know, audit process that goes on to make certain that the credit has been properly procured. So the risk is, is perceived to be significantly lower, but it's also a reason why those credits can sometimes run at premiums of 91 or even 92 cents on the dollar. So you're, you're getting a little bit of a lower bang for your buck, but the belief is there is very limited risk. Okay. And some of the taxpayers out there may be a little concerned about utilizing these tax credits. So, you know, let's explain it a little bit to them. So let's say that they've got $100,000 in taxes due to the state and they are able to buy a $100,000 tax credit. How's that going to work for them? Well, they're, they're going to spend, you know, call it $90,000 to acquire that credit. Uh, there's certain documentation that gets filed with the state where the seller of the credit, you know, Warner Brothers, NBC Universal, Sony, whomever it may be, they're going to file a form with the state noting the fact that they have transferred this credit to the purchaser. At the same time, the purchaser will file a form with the state noting that they have purchased the credit. So it's a fairly simple process. And really, you know, the, the biggest risks are sometimes like with any state agencies, paperwork gets lost in the shuffle. And so really the, the some of the biggest risks are just timing risks to make certain that the states receive the documentation from both buyer and seller. Okay. And on that case, if it's a, if you're getting the tax credit for 90 cents on the dollar, you're basically spending $100,000 to the tax credit and you're saving $10,000 off the bottom line of your taxes. Right, you're you're spending ninety thousand to receive the hundred thousand dollar tax credit. Okay. Um, interestingly, that's actually a taxable event for you at the federal level. The reason is you're spending ninety thousand dollars to receive an asset that is worth a hundred thousand. So that ten thousand dollar savings is actually taxed at the federal level. So on the surface, you think, oh, it's a ten percent return. When in reality, you're really going to erode it, and it's probably more like a seven seven and a half percent return. Okay, and the tax credits, um, the discount on these tax credits is going to change based on the risk level, right? That's correct. Okay. So if you're buying a conservation, uh, land conservation easement, I guess in the past uh, on land conservation easement, they can consider a little more risky than a film credit. So you got a, a, a larger discount, right? Right. I mean, land conservation is something that has become extremely popular. Um, mm -hmm. I would say that it may be at the federal level, uh, the most widely used uh, tax mitigation tool in today's world. Uh, but the difference is, you know, conservation in certain states, uh, you can receive a tax credit from conserving your property. Mm -hmm. uh, but at the federal level, it's actually a non-cash charitable contribution. So think about donating your old car to the Salvation Army. Mm -hmm. Same concept here. Um, and whenever you make a size donation that is a non-cash contribution, the IRS says you, the taxpayer, have to tell them, the IRS, what the value is of what you donated. So when you start getting into valuation propositions, there's just generally speaking going to be more risk involved because there, there are some, there's some subjectivity to the process. Well, my friends and brokers say I should donate my old car to the Salvation Army. 
get it out of the parking lot. I've right? seen your car. You shouldn't be donating it to anyone but me, maybe. So, Well, let's talk about land conservation easements and, and the setup there. So uh, if it, take us through it. So you're, you're valuing the land basically being able to develop it and now you do a evaluation of the land not being able to develop it and so what you're donating is that difference is that an easy way to look at it right so so let's take an example let's say you have a developer that owns a thousand acres and the original plan for that developer was to do you know kind of a, a mixed-use PUD type development uh, and now what they've decided is instead of fully maximizing those entitlements and developing that thousand acres they're going to conserve 500 of that acreage. Uh, so they'll develop 500, but they're going to put 500 acres into green space. What happens is the appraiser looks at the value of the property as a whole. What is that thousand acres worth based on the entitlements that exist? If we then conserve it by putting a conservation easement on it, and, and that easement is a forever easement, meaning that you are donating the, the development rights to an outside third-party entity, um, at that point, you're going to devalue that asset significantly when you give away those entitlements. And so the difference between the, the as-is before value and then the after value once conserved, the difference is what creates that non-cash charitable contribution. Okay. And so you can take those deductions off your taxes as a tax credit if you're that landowner or also uh, a developer, but you can also sell them, right? Right. So w what you have is, is you know, if you're the landowner, you can take those benefits yourself and use it to offset your income. You know, if you're a developer, you're very active, you have a lot of ordinary income that you're creating. These benefits can be a phenomenal tool for you to mitigate some of your, your liability. Um, in the event that you can't fully utilize the benefits, um, there are strategies that can be used where you can essentially monetize some of those benefits. You know, we always tell people, we caution them from saying sell those tax benefits because you actually cannot sell a non-cash charitable contribution. Uh, however, uh, if you are a partner in a partnership and that partnership decides to conserve the property, then all of the partners can share in the benefits associated with that event. So what the developer would look likely look to do is identify some investors that would become a part of the partnership that owns the land. And then once the partnership conserves the property, both the developer and those investors would be able to share in those tax benefits that get created. Yeah, and that's a, a great way to, to use tax credits. And I've bought into a couple of those transactions, and they've done well for me. In fact, you guys have helped me with that, and I appreciate it. Well, stay tuned. We'll have more on tax credits. I'm Michael Bull. This is the Commercial Real Estate Show. We'll be right back. The Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you in part by your friends at Bull Realty. When your business requires proven performance, visit bullrealty.com or call 800-408-BULL. Welcome back to the Commercial Real Estate Show. I'm Michael Bull. Thanks for joining us on one of the 40 radio stations, iTunes, YouTube, or the show website, CREshow.com. Well, today we're talking about tax credits for business, real estate, and individuals. We're talking with Ricky Novak with the strategic group of companies, the strategic, strategically, right? Strategy, say. <laughs> well, you know, tax credits are a great way to to save money on your tax liability, but there's some other reasons to consider some of these tax credits, right? 
Well, you know, some of the programs that we've talked about, you know, really, if you look at them, you know, they're green, they're sustainable, they're socially responsible. So there certainly is a feel-good element. Um, you know, take historic preservation, knowing that you're protecting, you know, buildings. Uh, if you're, you know, low-income housing, you know, creating affordable housing, you know, conservation, preserving green space, uh, open space. So there are certainly reasons to do it that are very philanthropic, if you will. But in some of these investments, you also have additional returns. You know, I'll use conservation as an example. Uh, a lot of times when you invest in these conservation projects, you get access to the property. So if you and your family enjoy outdoor pursuits, you know, hunting, fishing. Hunt, hunting alligator? Yeah, there you go. You can always hunt alligator, you know, conserve some property in Louisiana. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, if you enjoy the outdoors, oftentimes you're you're receiving access to these properties. Um, also, a lot of these, these opportunities do have additional returns. Let's go to my developer example that we talked about earlier in the show. You know, if the developer is going to conserve 500 of his 1,000 acres, if you invest in that project, typically you're also then participating in some of the upside associated with the development of the other 500 acres. So why these are sometimes very attractive, not only do you receive a really nice immediate tax ROI, you're participating in other non-tax benefits for the long term. So really there are many very strong non-tax drivers associated with these investments. That's interesting. And I'm, I'm glad we're talking about this on the show because I think our listeners uh, can take advantage of these tax credits and, and these conservation easements uh, in particular, but always everyone's concerned with risk, right? So what are some of the risks involved in these? So when we talk about risk, I, I think there are a couple of things to think about. You know, as I mentioned earlier, it's a non-cash charitable contribution, which means that the value of the deduction is very critical. Uh, so you have to hire very well-heeled, knowledgeable conservation appraisers that understand how to appraise these types of projects. Uh, the valuation is going to be critical. Uh, so oftentimes what we'll do is we'll make certain that not only do we hire some of the best appraisers, we'll bring in a second appraiser to perform a peer review to make sure they do everything properly. Uh, the other thing you have to worry about is, you know, again, making sure that uh, in, in any type of partnership investment, it's important that there are both tax and non-tax considerations. So making sure these projects are structured properly. Um, you know, there, have, there has been some audit activity in these areas. Um, and so it is certainly an area that the IRS has looked at. Uh, but if structured properly, uh, the risk reward tends to make sense for most individuals. And are there some changes with the regulations on these conservation easements that might make them a little safer for folks? Well, you know, there, there's, there have been changes back and forth over the last few years. Uh, the main changes have been how much benefit can I use in any one given year? Uh, the, historically, uh, the initial law allowed a taxpayer to offset 30% of their adjusted gross income uh, with these benefits, and then any unused benefits could be carried forward for five additional years. Starting in 2006, and every year thereafter, it's actually been increased to 50%. So if you happen to be a guy that makes a million dollars a year, you could use up to a $500,000 deduction from these types of investments. And then any unused benefits could be carried forward 15 years. So right now there's some legislation, you know, here in 2015, there's some legislation that's being considered that would make those enhanced benefits permanent. There is also some discussion of taking these conservation benefits and instead of it being a deduction, making it a tax credit. Um, now, those are very preliminary in discussion up in Washington. 
But but it, it is a tax strategy that Washington likes. Uh, Republicans like it because it's a tax break. Democrats like it because it's green. And so it's one that they've been able to come to common agreement on. Uh, and I think they want to keep around. Well, let's talk about some of the, the discounts and the savings involved and some of these different types of tax credits. So you talked about the film tax credit, that maybe that discount's only like 10%, but what about on some of these land conservation easements? What are some of the discounts you might see there? Sure. So if a state offers a state conservation tax credit, you might see those credits in the 75 to maybe 85 cent range. So a little bit of a higher return. Part of that is because there aren't many states don't have a, a process where you can guarantee the credit or certify it. And so there's a little more risk there. Uh, at the federal level, what you generally see is, again, you know, we're talking about a deduction. You might invest a dollar in order to receive a deduction benefit that could be between maybe $4 to $4.50. So a deduction is worth to you based on whatever your effective tax rate is. So Michael, you know, if you're in the 50% bracket, right, you have a 39.6 federal rate, you have a state tax on top of that. If you're paying 50% tax on every dollar you make, you're paying 50% tax, so 50 cents. These investments, you might be able to invest 21, 22 cents to receive an allocation of a deduction that's worth 50 cents to you. So the return could be very high, you know, 80, 90, 100%, but there is certainly greater risk here compared to some of the other you know, tax credits we've talked about. Okay. And how could a taxpayer or a real estate owner uh, find out more about these tax credits and, and find out how to maybe do them or also maybe find out how to buy into some of these? Sure. There's a lot of good information out there uh, that you can look at. You know, our website gives a good bit of information um, on conservation. Uh, that is SCPI Bank. Um, so S is in strategic, C is in capital, P is in partners, I is in investment bank. Um, you can go there. There's some good information on conservation. We work with a lot of you know landowners, a lot of families that want to conserve the family farm or the family ranch and just keep their tax benefits. Uh, but that's a, a good place to start for some information. There's like anything else, you can find some good information and bad information out on the internet. But if you just <laughs> simply do some research on on conservation, you'll see there's a lot of information out there. What might surprise people about some of these tax? credits or, or some of these easement programs? Well, you know, I, I think that the, the biggest surprise is, is that um, anything that is tax-oriented has risk involved with it. One thing that surprises us is there are a lot of people, it's like real estate, there are plenty of people that are out there selling real estate that you and I probably would say don't really know what they're doing, but they're still out there and they've hung their shingle and, and they're selling. Mm -hmm. um, same thing in the tax credit space. There are a lot of people that really are not experts in this area that have jumped into it because they think they can find a way to make a dollar. Um, you know, I would caution people to, to work with well-heeled groups uh, that really understand the products they're offering because again it's tax it creates risk the last thing anyone wants to do is buy themselves an IRS audit or put themselves in a position that if they're audited they're gonna find out that what they thought they have really doesn't work and how might they judge that risk of, of that group well, I think, you know, reputation is important, you know, ask for references, you know, look at the pedigree of the people you're dealing with, you know, is tax part of their background, you know, if people are tax attorneys, tax accountants, chances are they understand tax, you know, if somebody happens to have been a residential real estate agent, who now is trying to sell a tax product, you might ask yourself, is that person really capable of giving good advice? Yeah. Um, you know, also look at the other professional advisors that work with these groups. Um, if, if in your area, these are well known, well healed groups, 
groups that are working with this group, um, you'll probably have a comfort level that they probably know what they're doing. Great. Well, Ricky, thanks for joining us today. We appreciate you sharing this information. I always enjoy being here, Michael. Yeah. Well, stay with us. We're going to talk some more about tax credits, and we're going to talk about tax credits for business. We're going to talk about tax credits for individuals. We're going to have David McMillan join us here and Studio One, so stay tuned. And be sure to catch shows of special interest to you. Sign up for a -a once-a-week email announcing the show topic at commercialrealestateshow.com. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. I'm Michael Bull. This is the Commercial Real Estate Show. The Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you in part by Florida International University. With FIU's Fast Track system, you can earn your master's in real estate in just 10 months without interrupting your career. Visit FIUonline.com to learn more. That's FIUonline.com. Welcome back to the Commercial Real Estate Show, your source for insightful analysis and enlightening discussions. Today we're talking about tax credits for individuals, for business, and for real estate. Please welcome my next guest. It's David McMillan. David is president of McMillan and Associates. McMillan and Associates provides comprehensive state and federal tax credits for businesses. David, thanks for joining us again in uh, Studio One. Thanks, Michael. We appreciate you having having you on. And what should be one of the first things that companies think about it, you know, and, and why should they look for these tax credits? Yeah, I think first off, it starts with I'm paying taxes, and I don't want to pay as much as I'm paying right now to the government. I think that's what drives um, companies to take a look at strategies and and opportunities to reduce their taxes. Mm -hmm. Okay. And what about some of the first steps? So they've decided, all right, I'm paying too much taxes. I don't know who doesn't say that, right? And and you're running a business. So where should you look? What's the first step? Absolutely. Well, all tax credits for businesses start with the simple premise that business activities drive these tax credit opportunities. So the first step is the take a look and say, what does my business do? Am I hiring people that might be eligible for a tax credit? Am I training my people on something that might be eligible for a tax credit? Have I created a lot of new jobs? Have I done research and development or invested into machinery, into our manufacturing process? So the first step is, you know, what what is your business? Where am I located? And what types of activities am I doing that might trigger uh, a tax credit event for the organization? Okay. And how much work is involved in this process? That's a great point. Uh, people ask me that a lot as well. How much is this going to take of my time or my team's time um, to capture this tax credit? Well, I think, first of all, I think it starts with, can you develop a system inside your company that tracks whatever you need to for tax credits. I think if you can put it into your culture, into your system and develop some standard operating procedures, it makes the process a lot easier. The analogy I use is uh, every at the end of every year, your CPA sends you a big, thick packet, your tax planner. And the first thing I do is I dump that thing into the trash because I'm not going <laughs> to fill out that big, thick tax I planner. I I was the only one that did that. <laughs> no, I do it too every time, even though I know my accountants really well. It, but if you keep a folder with all your tax information throughout the year, your all your paperwork and receipts and everything else, it's a lot easier if you do it throughout the year than waiting till the last minute and then having a big stack of stuff to go through and fill out. And that's what we advocate to people. Simple process saves you a lot of time on the back end. Well, what if I'm running my company, and I I do run my company, 
And I expect my accountant maybe is doing this type of thing for me, but maybe they're not. That's a great question. You know, does my accountant handle this already? And I'd say 9.5, 9.9 times out of 10, your accountant isn't doing this already. And it's because tax credits are such a very special, tiny part of the tax code that one, most people aren't educated or aware of all the different programs that are out there, let alone have the time and energy to devote to doing all the documentation. I think Ricky pointed to that earlier about all the documentation and that's required to mitigate the risk in, in dealing with taxes and tax credits and tax strategies. So it's usually not something that CPAs do. Um, if your CPA is doing it, great. Um, I would say make sure you're capturing every tax credit that's out there. Because you work a lot with CPAs and people, folks' accountants, right? Absolutely. They're, they're, in many cases, the documentation would prepare five, 10 inches worth of documentation for a single tax credit project. And you probably wouldn't want to pay me by the hour <laughs> to do that much work. I see. Well, let's talk about some of the individual tax credits. So you, you talked about uh, hiring and creating jobs. So people, the employment seems to be uh, picking up. Uh, companies are hiring. So are there still tax credits available? Absolutely. So uh, every state's a little different, but I'll start with the federal. There is one federal tax credit that the government has essentially designated certain types of uh, people that they want to get back in the workforce. Mm -hmm. One of the big categories is veterans. You hire a veteran that could be unemployed or on government assistance program looking for a job, that's a tax credit. Um, it could be somebody that's on government assistance programs like food stamps or welfare or uh, supplemental security income. That could be a tax credit. Now, would an employer re regularly know that? Uh, no, they, they don't normally look into this most yeah. because most people don't claim tax credits, yeah. but it's a very simple questionnaire. You get your employees to fill out. It's something that actually gets approved by the government. So you mm -hmm. actually end up with a letter that says, Michael, you're entitled to a tax credit for hiring James because he's a veteran. Mm -hmm. um, um, and that could be worth anywhere from $2,400 for some of these categories. And if you hire a veteran, it could go up to $9,000 Wow! just for hiring one person. Wow. And I think veterans make good employees as well. They do. We hired one earlier this year, and it might be a $4,800 tax credit. Wow. So it depends on the state I'm in. I might have a state tax credit. I might have a federal tax credit. That's correct. So how can I find out what possible tax credits I might have for the employees I'm hiring and does it have to be a new so if I've got 100 employees do I need to hire have 110 I get look at those could 10. be both so yeah. I think it's just for their hiring tax credits just for normal hiring veterans and just normal turnover that you would have in your business okay. and then depending on your industry and where you're located in your state most states have some type of job creation tax credit whether you're in uh, Florida Texas California uh, many states have some type of program you're creating new full-time jobs uh, sometimes you have to be in a favored industry by the state, like tourism or manufacturing or warehousing distribution. But most states have some incentive for uh, creating new jobs. Okay. Well, stay tuned. We'll have more on tax credits for businesses and for individuals. I'm Michael Bull. This is the Commercial Real Estate Show. We'll be right back. The Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you in part by Realnex, providing a comprehensive suite of powerful commercial real estate tools at an incredibly low cost. Visit Realnex.com. That's R-E-A-L-N-E-X. Welcome back to the Commercial Real Estate Show. I'm Michael Bull. Thanks for being with us. Today we're talking about tax credits for business, real estate, and individuals. We have David McMillan here with us with, with McMillan and Associates. And 
David, some people may be worried that if they do these tax credit programs that they might it might trigger an audit. What do you say there about the risk? Um, there's always risk when you're dealing with taxes. So mm -hmm. I think there's a couple things to consider. I think tax credits don't necessarily trigger an audit any other than you, know, you claiming a charitable deduction. The key is, do you have the paperwork and the support to claim that tax credit? So the second piece is, you know, do you have all the supporting documentation to claim it? Many tax credits that deal with for, for businesses have some type of state approval, review, certification, pre-approval process, which definitely mitigates most of the risk because it goes through that pre-audit process before you can actually claim the credit. But in every case, you need to make sure that you have the documentation in place to support what you're claiming. Just like you would on your own personal taxes, if you're donating that card to the Salvation Army, <laughs> you need to make sure you have your receipt. And if you ever did get audited, they're just gonna look at your documentation. Great, Michael, you have it all together you're fine. And it's the same premise for tax credits. Make sure you have your documentation in place before okay. you do it. So that state approval process may make it much more involved, but obviously makes it safer. That's correct. Okay. Talk to us about location tax credits, Dave. Absolutely. That is one of the hot button topics uh, really across the country. One of the ways that states encourage economic development is they pick out certain parts of land, usually by census tract, census block numbers, by zip codes, um, and they want to develop that specific part of land. So they're going to give companies an incentive to move into that location, hire jobs, they get sales tax benefits, they get job tax credit benefits. And that is a huge way that states um, do tax credits all over the country. Anytime you hear about a big company moving to a certain state and a specific city or a specific part of land, you always need to look for the backstory of where is that place located, what tax credits are available. You know, Georgia is a, has had a lot of stories like this. Um, NCR is actually moving from Gwinnett into Midtown. Um, pretty big gap in, in location for a lot of their employees, but there's a tax credit for the place that they moved into. And you see these stories all over the country, big companies making big decisions, you know, tens and hundreds of million dollars. And a lot of it has to do with the location of where they're putting the business. What's the easiest source to find these uh, location tax credits? <laughs> Great question. It's the governments. They don't necessarily make uh, things very easy. So I, I'd say there's a couple places. One, you can go to our website at MCA taxcredits.com. And then you can also go to the IRS website, irs.gov. And then you can also search for uh, two places for your state tax credits. One can be the state's Department of Revenue website. And the second, you can find some good information on the state's economic development website. Usually every state has some type of economic development growth website that'll give you an idea of what some of these incentives are. Okay. And David, can you give us an example of some of the savings uh, that some of these companies have achieved? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we just finished up. It's tax time for us, so we're finishing up a lot of these projects. So we had a, a doctor here uh, in the southeast that he had 50 employees, and he got $60,000. 50 employees? Yep, 50 employees, $60,000 worth of tax credits. We had uh, a restaurant chain with about nine or ten locations, and they saved $100,000 in tax credits for hiring people and doing some other various things. So I think people might be surprised that there's a lot of money out there. Uh, it's just not something that the government goes around marketing to people and say, 
here's how you can get this money from us and here's how to do it. They just don't tell you this unless you're a very large company and they also don't help you with all the documentation and the paperwork and that's the part that really stumps people from capturing this money that's out there. And sure, and you want to make sure it's done right obviously to to reduce the risk. So so what are the costs for that example where the guy saved uh, $100,000? Yeah, what was his usually cost? there's about a 20 or 25 cent cost on the amount that's being found. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like swapping quarters for dollars. Yeah. Find a dollar, quarter fee. Right. That's great. Well, let's say that I've you, you come in and you find a bunch of ways that I can achieve some tax credits. And can I go back to previous years where maybe I've hired people, I've done research and develop in the past? Can you go back? Absolutely. Depends on the different tax credit that you're looking at. But yeah. a lot of states have usually a, a one to three year look back period for uh, tax credits. On the federal level, you can look back three years for the research and development tax credit. Um, some, st- some states, it just depends on what the credit is. Uh, one recent provision in uh, at the beginning of the year, the federal government renewed their this new higher tax credit for veterans and people in government assistance programs. And they actually gave a grace period. So if you hired a lot of people in 2014, if you can get all that paperwork into the government by April the 30th of 2015, you can actually go back and retroactively claim all those people that you hired if they're on these certain programs. So in many cases, you know, one to three year look back, but this particular new hire credit gives companies a a big grace period to look back to everybody they hired in 2014 to possibly claim that tax credit. That's fantastic. And it's a credit, right? This is not a write-off. Exactly. And all these, most of these credits are pass-through credits. So we're talking about tax rates for individuals. I know Ricky covered Mm -hmm. some of the things that affect the individual. But if you're an S-Corp or LLC, these tax credits are flowing through to you personally to take advantage of um, on your taxes. Okay. And let's talk about some of the other tax credits a a business might find. How about research and development? Absolutely. So one of the big things that's been in the tax law for a number of years, if you're creating software, you're making a product, whether it's a brand new product, improved product, you see a lot of manufacturers, a lot of software development companies, a lot of pharmaceutical companies, you can get a tax credit off of the wages and salaries and expenses that go into creating that new product that you're coming out with. And how would you identify that in your business today? You know, I think the the first question is, am I creating something that's new or improved? Whether it's a a physical product, you know, a part to a car, um, a food product, or am I developing software that's custom and proprietary um, that you're either selling to others or uh, using internally? Um, That's a couple ways, but it really starts with what are you doing as a business? And then you can look into tax credit opportunities available. Okay, we'll take a short break and stay with us. We're gonna have some more tax credits and, and in fact, one I really like on training. This is Michael Bull, and this is the Commercial Real Estate Show. We'll be right back. Excelligent, the resource professionals like CCIMs, CBRE, JLL, Colliers, and Bull Realty use for market intelligence. Commercial Search is the site to market and find available properties to buy, sell, or lease all over the country. Visit commercialsearch.com.
Welcome back to the Commercial Real Estate Show. I'm Michael Bull. Today we're talking about tax credits for business, for real estate, and for individuals. We have David McMillan with us at with McMillan and Associates. And David, one of the tax credits that I think a lot of people, a lot of businesses might be able to qualify for is uh, tax credits related to training, right? It seems like most companies are doing some training. Absolutely. Many states have some type of benefit where if you're teaching your employees certain things, a lot of times it could be software skills, uh, technology, you're training on new equipment, that you can get a tax credit to offset all the salaries of your employees and sometimes even the vendor fees for training uh, that go into that process. So for example, uh, you're a manufacturer and you put in a new SAP or ERP system to take care of everything in the business. Well, you can get a tax credit depending on what state you're in based on all the salaries and wages and expenses to learn that software system. And that could be a huge tax credit depending on what industry you're in and what state you're in. So that depending on where you're located, you get a benefit for or teaching your employees certain things that every company goes through. And is that a tax credit for the salaries of the trainers or in the cost of the training, or is it also the the salaries of the downtime for the employees? All of the above. Wow. All of the above. It, you can't count the actual cost of the software, but all the training expenses and salaries and wages, all that is eligible. Okay. So if my employees aren't working for, 50 employees aren't working for a full day. Because they're learning, you get to take a tax credit on that. Well, that's nice. And I guess that's a great incentive for training and it's great for the employees and it's, it's good for everyone. It is. That's fantastic. Well, when should companies start thinking about and planning for tax credits? Absolutely. Well, most tax credits have some type of uh, process and timeline. So I would say the answer is now. You know, uh, if you're a business owner, you're probably looking at filing your taxes, extending your taxes now, and this is when tax credits have to get put on your return to be able to claim them. But the answer is you need to start looking at this now and be proactive about starting the process, getting the documentation done, getting it approved, all within the right timelines to then be able to put onto your tax return so you can see the benefit at the end of the day. Okay. Well, David, what about a tip for our listeners related to tax credits for the business? Yeah. Well, uh, we actually I just wrote an ebook about mm-hmm. seven ways to maximize tax credits in your culture. And I think the first thing that we tell people is to start with your why. I think you need to understand what you're doing before you can craft a strategy around it. So I think the first tip is, why do you want to pursue this? You know, are you trying to get every dollar you can? Or are you just trying to focus on one or two things? But I think in order to have clarity and build a strategy to get all this tax credits, you need to understand why you're doing this, what's your purpose behind tax credits, and then you can craft your strategy. So first, start with why. What's your second tip? Involve your stakeholders. Okay. It's got to be a team effort. So you can't do it all by yourself, and it can't all be on one person. You really need to get key people inside the company um, as part of a collaborative effort to make sure you're maximizing tax credits. Let's see if we can get through all seven. What's third? <laughs> <laughs> What's third? third tip is define roles and responsibilities. Okay. Any project doesn't make uh, doesn't have a lot of success if you don't define roles, responsibilities. Uh, and I guess maybe one final one that I'll talk about is we talk about ma- maintaining momentum. So three mm-hmm. keys to maintain momentum, make it fun, make it easy, make it win-win. So a lot of times our clients, they have competitions between different departments to see who participates the most, uh, pizza parties, ice cream parties, uh, manager at the you know, at the uh, the restaurant who does the best gets like a free iPad. I think some of the ways to maintain momentum, make it fun, make it easy, make it a win-win for everybody involved. 
And some companies are losing out on a lot of potential uh, income here. Absolutely. I mean, I would say from our experience in the last 17 years, less than 20% of companies in the country are taking advantage of tax credits. And I've never met a company in my career doing this that was actually looking at every single tax credit that was out there for the business. So I think there's always a lot of money left on the table uh, that has a real impact to your business. Well, good information, David. Thanks for joining us today. Absolutely, Michael. We appreciate you being on. And be sure and join us next week. We're going to have a great show. We're going to talk about crowdfunding. And crowdfunding for commercial real estate and and real estate in general has been very interesting. It's been a growing area. And uh, sponsors are able to go out and efficiently raise capital with investors. And investors can go online and invest in real estate and sometimes some fairly large projects very easily. So be sure and join us next week. And uh, until next week, be sure that you always lead, learn, and laugh and join us for the Commercial Real Estate Show. The Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you by Bull Realty Commercial Advisors, a great place to do business. Visit bullrealty.com. Realnex, a comprehensive and powerful suite of commercial real estate tools at an incredibly low price. Visit realnex.com. That's R-E-A-L-N-E-X. FIU, Florida International University. Earn your master's in real estate in as little as 10 months without interrupting your career. Visit FIUonline.com. Excelligent, the resource professionals use for commercial real estate information. Visit Excelligent.com. That's X-C-E-L-I-G-E-N-T. Commercial Search, the source to market and source available properties for sale or lease. Visit CommercialSearch.com. For more information on these great companies or for additional videos, podcasts, or articles, visit CREshow.com.